Hi, Mike Gibson coming to you live from Sky 2017, joined by Sunil Rao and Adir Shroff. T4V, yep. there's so many new abbreviations here at Sky. What's T4V and the initiative? So Transition for Value is a new program that's being launched by Sky with support from Medtronic to try and enhance the adoption of radial procedures in same-day discharge across the country. The program has multiple components, the foundation of which is the Transradial Best Practices document that was put out by the Sky Vascular Access Working Group a few years ago to not only encourage adoption of radial access, but really adoption of high-quality radial access to improve patient outcomes. How are we doing on radial access? I mean, what's the number in the United States now? How many operators are doing it? What percent of cases? I know our lab is all radial. Yeah, so the, um, the best source of data is probably the NCDR CAF-PCI registry, which is close to being nationally representative. And as of the second quarter of 2016, the rate was around 31%. So it's been about a 30-fold increase since 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the slope, it's a slope like this or it's a slope like that? It seems to continue to increase. The slope, the slope is steep upward. So, steep out, yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that is driven not only by the initiatives uh, that are educational put on by Sky and other uh, entities, but also because I think there's an influx of the new generation of interventional cardiologists who are training in radial in their training programs and coming out and using that as the default. The default mode in the young guys. How about old guys? How are we doing flipping old people like me to transradial? I think it is uh, it's somewhat of a coalition of the willing and I think one of the one of the aims of this this program is to help people at different stages in their in their evolution or in their development or their adoption of the technique. There's some people who are pretty advanced operators who are looking for next sort of steps and uh, programmatic things that they want to do. And so there's, there'll be some components, educational components in there. And there's some components for even the beginning operator. We have some targeted at the diagnostic physicians. And we're going to look at people who just do diagnostic paths and don't do interventions. So we're really trying, and as well as the referring physicians. So we're really trying to um, try to educate different people in the pathway to really try to help make them appreciate that it's not just about radial access, it's also about how you manage them afterwards, how you can change the care pathway and incorporate it. I think certainly with bundle payments coming at some point, I think we're all trying to figure out how to be more efficient um, with our care while providing high quality care. So. And what about complex cases, CTOs? How are we doing there in making headway? Yeah. So making there's certainly a, um, a decrease. It's a lower rate of use of radial for these complex cases and even STEMI. I think the number for STEMI is around 16, 20% or so. It certainly lags behind for obvious reasons. People are worried about the door to balloon time. One of the issues around this transition for value program is to try and dispel some myths around the application of radial to high high complexity cases. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there are certainly some CTOs that can be done through radial access, particularly with the availability of uh, slender sheets that will allow large bore guides or even sheathless guides that will allow large bore. I don't think we're at the point yet we can apply radial approach to all CTOs, particularly complex retrograde ones, but there, I think there's a large proportion of CTOs that can be done radially that currently are done by ephemeral access. And because these cases are long, they require a lot of anticoagulation, the use of radial access in these complex cases potentially could have greater absolute benefit in terms of reduction in vascular complications. How about the trade-off, though, in radiation exposure? That's a terrific question, and, and I think it's clear that you do end up spending a little more fluoro time with radial approach. There's a very nice paper by the Italians that was presented at ACC showing that over a, a large number of cases, even in an expert radial center, the operator will get more radiation exposure. So a fundamental aspect of transradial best practices is really on how to protect yourself as the operator mm -hmm. from increased radiation exposure. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. going to be one of the, the, the essential modules of this program. So what are some of the tips and tricks for that? 
quickly. So from a radiation exposure standpoint, I think certainly things like using all the usual best practices of radiation, like proper draping, proper shielding. Putting a fellow um, in front of you. Putting <laughs> a fellow is certainly helpful. That's part of the criteria right. of our fellowship application. Right. Uh, certainly, I think in the Italian group, they also looked at, in that paper, they also looked at if you did a sort of additional shielding, whether it was putting a drape over the groin or a drape under the arm, um, mm. that was able to decrease the radiation exposure significantly. So you have to take some, some adaptations, I think, to help like manage your so reducing the scatter with those last techniques yeah. helps. Interesting. Yeah. And then we've also we've also done a lot of our diagnostics now on seven and a half grains and trying to decrease our radiation. We've moved to that a lot flow. too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. for you know for the diagnostic part, I think oftentimes that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, coning and you know all those other sort of usual right. things that we do. And so I think that's really helped to decrease our radiation exposure uh, quite a lot. What about the future? Anything hot coming down technically? more slender techniques or devices? Yeah, or so what's been really nice to see over the last few years is industry investment in this space. So I think there's a lot of new uh, catheters coming out, sheets to, to, to reduce the profile, reduce radial artery occlusion, new hemostasis devices, for hmm. example, the ones that focus on ulnar compression to try and maintain anti-grade flow in the radial artery. Uh, hmm. Randomized trials showing that uh, ulnar compression can reduce the uh, rate of radial artery occlusion by 50% or more. Wow. So I think there's a lot more to look forward to. And, uh, we hope that uh, uh, the Sky constituency who's interested in adopting radial in their center will uh, check out the uh, Transition for Value program. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know, peripheral access is another area. Peripheral cases are lots of companies who are interested in developing devices. So you can do peripheral cases from using radial access as well. Um, I think a lot of industry at this sort of add on to what Sunil said is that a lot of industry folks are, when they're developing their devices now, they have a mind that people are doing radial access where they're making sure their their devices are compatible with smaller smaller caliber guide catheters, five French compatible, six French compatible. And so I only see that kind of expanding uh, and really helping to um, keep this and keep it mainstream. Is it true you're thinking of changing your name from Rao to Rowdio? <laughs> no? Well, I have to do something because Rao is also radial artery occlusion. So. Oh. <laughs> All right, but in all truth and all fairness, thank you, Sunil, for really driving the field forward, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us here live from Sky 2017.